The following opinions and ideas are that of the host and or contributors to the Eat This podcast and are for the purposes of general information and entertainment only and do not necessarily reflect the thoughts and ideas of the distributor. Just like a mouthful of sunshine. I have learned so much from you. Fresh is always better. To me, I'm just like amazed. Great for everyone. I love your advice, by the way. Amazing. Eat This with Leanne Phillipson. Okay, so you're selling your house, your savvy real estate agent shows up before your first open house with a bag of frozen, uncooked baguettes to throw in the oven, just because she thinks it's going to create that ever-enticing, freshly baked bread smell wafting through this amazing open house that you've staged your home for. Within minutes, you're just, you're salivating, oh my God, fresh bread. The taste bud tunes are ringing through your ears and the fresh baked bread you take out of the oven, it's dripping in butter. Mmm. You know what I'm talking about, right? Why would anyone in their right mind want to eliminate this emotionally warming, sensual delight from their diet? Coming up on Eat This, everything you've ever wanted to know about going gluten-free. Bread, scones, croissants, cookies, cake, mmm. Generally, as a population, we love the wheat aspect of all of this. Think of some warm, freshly baked bread, all soft in the middle with a lovely crispy crust. Add a few lashings of butter, and then you can just mmm your way all the way through it. There's just something about bread. You may feel this about a big bowl of pasta or maybe your favorite piece of pizza. Whatever it is that you love, it's normally got something to do with wheat. The protein that these glorious wheat products contains is called gluten. It's the protein portion made up of glutenin and gliadin molecules, which in the presence of water actually makes like this elastic bond that's like glue. So think of how stretchy pizza dough is. And as it's being thrown up into the air and it doesn't all fall apart, it's the gluten that holds it together and makes it like that. In the past 10 years or so, and probably a little bit more, going, going gluten-free seems as fashionable as having, having the latest Prada purse, darling. The number of people going gluten-free has tripled, uh, actually just in 2009 alone, but really it's still going strong. Do you remember when the Wheat Belly book came out? That seemed to be a really pivotal time. Well, this international bestseller has been translated into over 30 languages, including Arabic, Estonian, Korean, Hebrew, Japanese, and Chinese, and has sold over 2 million copies worldwide. Man, I hope my next book, Sprout Right Family Food, does as well as that. Uh, Like, that's a lot of interest from a country, well, that I wouldn't think really needed to know about, you know, abdominal fat and wheat. What are the Japanese and Chinese doing eating a whole bunch of wheat? I thought they typically, most of their diet really is typically to do with rice. But the author, Dr. William Davis, a renowned cardiologist, He wrote in his book about eliminating wheat for our diets and said that it can help to prevent fat storage, shrink those unsightly bulges, no matter where they might be, and reverse a myriad of health problems. I don't know. It sounds like the holy grail to me. 
I've, I've been practicing for 20 years as a nutritionist, and I have to say that along with dairy, wheat and gluten containing grains are the most common food that I've been told by my clients that they can't live without. And the most common food that I actually have to ask them to avoid for a little while. Sometimes it's a couple of weeks, mostly it's like a month, sometimes a little bit more than that. Not because they've been diagnosed with celiac disease, when gluten has to be avoided 100% of the time, it's an autoimmune disorder, asking clients to change their grain of choice from wheat, rye, spelt, kamut, couscous, which you typically find in tabbouleh, and barley, those are all gluten-containing grains, then I ask them to try rice or gluten-free oats. I'll talk a little bit more about that later. Quinoa, millet, teff, probably I've never even heard of that one. Amaranth, that's another slightly rogue one, and sometimes corn, but really can bring benefits that amaze them far more than it does me. Myth or Miracle. On this week's Myth or Miracle, oats are not gluten-free. Oats are a really popular choice for many people sticking to a gluten-free diet because for the most part, oats are gluten-free. However, some brands can be contaminated with wheat, which can happen in one of two ways, either by the cross-contamination from the oats being grown in close proximity to wheat, so a crop that maybe also has rye or barley, and then also from oats being stored in silos that have had wheat in it or other gluten-containing grains, and then also in the processing. So as they're being processed, going through machines, any cross-contamination can then make your oats that you're buying not gluten-free. This is very important if you happen to be celiac. Now, many experts say that oats that are truly gluten-free are only if it's labeled. Whoever's making the products that you're going to buy, I go for pilling foods, sometimes I'll buy Bob's Red Mill, they will say on the label that they're gluten-free. And those ones, if you're feeding a celiac or you're celiac yourself, are without a doubt the ones to buy. The myth floating around out there is that oats contain gluten. In actual fact, oats do not. They are gluten-free. Eat this with Leanne Philipson. What's like? What's all the fuss about this gluten-free stuff? Because for centuries we've eaten grains, so why bother going out of your way to avoid? I don't know your usual breakfast muffin, your bagel that you grab on the way to work. Maybe it's your favorite cereal, your lunchtime sandwich, pizza, or wrap, or something like that, or maybe your dinnertime bowl of pasta. But really, changing things up and trying something different could be something that would help you to feel a lot better. In the book Wheat Belly, Dr. Davis, he exposed the harmful effects of wheat. And this explains a little bit why now we might have more of a problem than we did before. He says that it's actually a product of genetic tinkering and agribusiness being sold to the American public as wheat, in inverted commas. Well, I looked into this and thought, okay, really, what are we doing here? But in the 19th century, wheat was typically mixed with other grains like beans and nuts. Sounds super tasty to me, but in our modernized world, and they hybridize a lot of the crops differently, it's increased the proportion of the gluten in wheat. Hybridized means that they've changed the actual seed, which then becomes the grain. And they've probably done that to have a, a much bigger yield, to be able to uh, not die with a herbicide or a pesticide. So it's different to what our ancestors used to eat, and that has impact on our generation. 
And now we typically consume just refined white stuff. So there's only white flour. There's no beans or nuts like nuts mix into it anymore. And that's really what our ancestors did. So that kind of helps to explain a little bit more about why things are different these days. Explaining why is this happening now, there's also a link between wheat proteins and a situation called leaky gut. Like, sounds kind of weird. Like, leaky gut? Like, hang on a minute. Where, where am I leaking? What's happening? Is my top going to be wet? Or, you know, my pants? It's going to look like I peed myself. What's all this about? What's she talking about now? It's actually the permeability. It's a permeability issue of your intestinal tract. So, all the cells that make up the, the skin on the inside of you, so the inside of your your intestines, it creates gaps between the cells, uh, something that's called tight junctions. Between those cells, there's these little gaps. And what happens is when undigested food and bacteria are in the gut where it's supposed to stay, because these tiny little holes or these tiny little gaps, it can get out into the bloodstream. And then your body says, well, hang on a minute. I didn't want like a bacon and tomato sandwich in my bloodstream. You're supposed to be digested within the intestines. These really very microscopic holes, it creates a situation with the immune system. Because when you have anything in your blood, like a virus or a bacteria or anything like that, your immune system then goes, uh, we got a problem. We got to contain it. And then it throws out inflammation. It may not only throw out inflammation in your belly. It may throw out inflammation in your joints, may give you headaches could mess up your skin, all sorts of those kind of things. Now, I explain leaky gut in a way in, in my book called Sprout Right. I'm a visual person, so I kind of like to talk in pictures sometimes. So if you think of your intestines like a garden hose that's running along the side of your house up the driveway, and somehow, magically, it got attacked by wheat, a.k.a. the hole punch. So there's all these microscopic holes on the garden hose. So when you turn it on and you're trying to water the plants or water the garden or the grass, sure, a little bit of water comes out the end, but it all leaks out onto the driveway. Well, that's a little bit like leaky gut. We really need to contain everything within the hose pipe to allow it to get to where it needs to go. When this happens in the gut, then that can cause problems. Most of the time, it's the inflammation. It's different in everybody. Headaches or joints, skin issues, maybe it's eczema, maybe you've got some dermatitis. I also see this happen in people of all ages, mostly teens, uh, acne. Have you ever had a mouth ulcer where you're, you know, you're biting on that part of your lip all the time because it just feels weird or there's something on your tongue? You're like, God, what is that? What's going on? That really, really can have a lot to do with eating too much wheat or gluten. I've seen it all the time. And as soon as people take it out, all of a sudden their mouth heals. I've seen children with ADD, autism, and any not necessarily developmental, but behavioral issues respond well to avoiding wheat and all the other uh, gluten-containing grains. The wheat and the gluten, because of it having this in inflammatory process on the body, first of all, you can have an allergy to it. You can have a sensitivity to it. Sensitivities tend to take anywhere up to 72 hours to show. So it's very difficult to say, ate that and I had that problem. If you're actually allergic and you intake any food, say peanuts, and you get an anaphylactic reaction, you get instant, the immune system jumps in straight away and tells you exactly this is a problem. When it comes to something like gluten or wheat, and especially with children, it's really difficult to put those two things together. So with parents, I say, write out a food diary. What is your child eating most often? What does your child want most often? And it's really common for that to be a problem for them. 
Typically, when I ask parents if I can see a food diary of what they're having, the first thing is major embarrassment. Well, this day I really didn't have anything left in my fridge, and it was a bad day, and we don't normally do the drive-through on the way home, but this is the kind of thing that you know parents say. But truthfully, it is one of the most powerful tools to figure out what any person is eating. And half the time, when people come to see me in a consultation, they've probably figured out their problems already because they can. See, we go through the day just mindlessly eating and choosing foods and grabbing foods, and you don't until I go through and maybe highlight or circle or say, "Okay, there's wheat there, there's wheat there, there's gluten here, there's this here." Then they really don't understand. A lot of the foods, the parents they think, "Okay, I've done it. I've taken this. I've changed up the the pasta and all these kind of things." But it's the sneaky places where the gluten gets into. So things like salad dressing, condiments like ketchup. If everything has to be drowned in ketchup with your child, please pick up the label and have a look at it. Looking for modified starch is the number one thing. Chewing gum. Who knew? Oats, unless they are specifically labeled gluten free, they can contain wheat because of the manufacturing process. I don't know how many kids may be having this, but instant coffee, the flavored and blended coffees. I see kids with that all the time. Canned soup. That's another place they put it in. Restaurant omelets. Can you believe this? You know that super fluffy omelet that comes to your table on the plate? Well, when I make mine, it just goes flat and deflates quickly as soon as it comes out of the frying pan. They might have added in pancake mix to give it the fluff and be able to travel to the table. So look out for that and maybe ask if you're avoiding gluten in particular. And one of my favorites, any kind of flavored chips, even salt and vinegar, which happen to be my faves, they can contain. Gluten as well, so you got to read your labels. I talk a lot about reading labels, and it's a pain in the butt to have to add another twenty minutes on to reading all these labels that I'm telling you to read. But if you're trying something different, every time you go, just pick up two or three foods or whatever that you're buying and flip it over and have a look. See see what's different. Check out the ingredient list. What's at the top? What's at the bottom? Where's the sugar? Where's the gluten? What are the different names that are there? It'll, it'll teach you something. Body Boost of the Week. On today's Body Boost, let's talk about some digestive enzymes. What are they anyway? They're actually naturally occurring in your stomach, in your intestines, and all the way through the digestive system. Digestive enzymes actually are present in your mouth. That's the first place that you start. And sometimes, because of our overall health, we don't have enough to digest our food. Maybe you found out that you're not doing so well with gluten, but you don't want to take it out of your diet forever. You just can't live without the baguette. That instant blow. Maybe you get constipated, diarrhea. You have to think twice before you put it in your mouth because you think, oh God, is it worth it? I found that taking overall digestive enzymes. When I say overall, what I mean is something that's going to help digest the proteins and the carbs and the fats, everything that is a part of your meal. But you can also get specific gluten digesting enzymes and take that as a supplement. Take that in at the same time as you're going to have your favorite pizza, your pasta. And that can help them digest, so that the symptoms that are typically more gut or stress related, it eases it. So while you don't necessarily have to take this all the time, especially the gluten-containing ones, unless you're actually eating gluten, a digestive enzyme overall can help your body to take out the nutrients from the food. That's why we eat. We're eating food so we can take in the nutrients, but we have to digest it. Then our body has to absorb it, and then you use it to make more enzymes. 
So taking digestive enzymes maybe for about three months helps that positive feedback loop and then your body might be able to do it all on its own and you can completely discontinue. As with all supplements, they're not all made the same. So I'll share a few of my favorites on leannephillipson.com. Head on over there and check them out. Eat this with Leanne Philipson. Welcome back to this Eat This podcast. Today we're talking about living the gluten-free lifestyle. When you take any kind of food out of your diet, I'm not necessarily talking about your fruits and vegetables, but a large part of your diet could be gluten and wheat and all these things I've been talking about. When you take that out of your diet, well, there's like a big, huge gap. There's a big hole there. Is that going to be a problem? It could be. It's possible. Some of the grains that you're having, they've been fortified with maybe iron, some of the B vitamins, especially folic acid if you're a pregnant woman. Fiber could be something, if it's just plain white, if you're eating everything that's really just white, then I'm not as worried about that. But please have a discussion with your doctor, talk to your naturopath or a nutritionist. You figure out how to navigate this gap in your diet. You can switch things up straight away. Buy a gluten-free bread, for instance. Same thing with pasta, same thing with pizza. So in this situation, it's actually quite easy to make a change. If this is a choice after listening to this episode that you think, hey, you know, this is kind of speaking to me. So I think I'm going to I'm going to give this a try. Know that it doesn't all it's not all the same. It's going to taste different. If you go and take a piece of bread and make toast and put butter on it and think this is going to be great, it might not be. It might be an absolute disappointment and you're thinking, what is this woman talking about? This is terrible. Not all gluten-free products are made the same. They're just not. If you buy something in the freezer, next time go and find a bakery that makes gluten-free and there are experts in it and they have nailed it. You can do that. It really is possible. If you're trying a different kind of pasta, for instance, there's pasta out there that's made of chickpea flour or bean flour. It's really dense and different. So if you're trying this with kids and then you get, ah, I don't like this, or you're trying it with your partner, ah, what is this that you've got on my plate? There are some pastas out there that I know Italian families have made the switch in the kitchen, but haven't told Nona. And then she goes and eats it and she doesn't say a thing. There was one family that told me that story and they were so proud of themselves because they they gave Nona the, you know, the she used to make the pasta herself in the back in the day and then she, they gave her rice pasta and she didn't even peep. Nothing at all. So it really depends on the product that you go and buy. The other day I was doing a workshop and at the end of the workshop I was speaking to parents who were just starting their babies on solids and a mom with an older daughter came up to me afterwards and asked about her, she was just doing some potty training and she was having some difficulty having a poo. She had had three ear infections lately, was put on antibiotics, and that changes things up within the gut. We all know that. So now this, her daughter sitting on the potty, she doesn't want to have a poo because she knows it's going to hurt. And that's a really, really big issue. Found out that her day consists of cereal, gluten, bread, toast, snacks, crackers, pasta. Her whole day is that. And there is an association. I've seen this. You may not find this in a study. You may not find your doctor backs this up. But in the in the years that I've been doing this, wheat, dairy, and sugar have a huge association with ear infections. So to this mom, I suggested that maybe she does actually switch things up and try something different with her daughter. And again, the easy switch, 
try and improve her diet everywhere else, but see if that helps when she sits on the potty next time she needs to have a poo, that she's not worried, anxious, and sitting there ready to sort of cry and, Mama, you know, hold my, hold my hands or anything like that. As a parent, that's the worst thing that you can see that did actually used to happen to my daughter. She's going to come back to me and let me know if that's, uh, if that's something to change. I also suggested to her that maybe some more fiber-rich fruits, vegetables, try out some brown rice, maybe some quinoa, amaranth, some of the gluten-free oats, and then, of course, protein and fish. So that would just round out anybody's diet. So if you're going into being gluten-free, don't forget about everything else. Do something as simple as switching your lunchtime sandwich for a salad. And when you take that to work, instead of relying on running out in your lunch break and going to grab something down the road when there's not as many healthy options, you might actually find that you feel really, really different for the rest of the afternoon. Changing up a diet can take time to show results, but actually with kids, you see the results so much faster. So this mom who's going to change the diet of her daughter, she could see results maybe within a week. If I'm talking to an adult, making that change from a diet filled with even processed or fast foods, maybe going to gluten-free, well, it's going to change stuff because you're completely changing what you're eating anyway while taking out the carbs. So immediately you're going to have a much healthier diet everything's gluten-free for those people that for those adults that are trying this out expect like two weeks maybe a month sometimes a little bit more it really depends on the point at which you're starting some of my favorite gluten-free go-to's i mentioned the pasta with this sort of switch up with nona in the kitchen so that's called tinkiata pasta it doesn't fall apart should you make the mistake of overcooking it. Years ago when I started making, trying out gluten-free pasta, and I think it was corn pasta that I made once, and I you know, had young children, so I left the kitchen for too long and came back, and then it was just a saucepan full of disintegrated pasta. We didn't do that one again for a while. It takes a while to find out which ones, uh, which products you're going to like. Uh, I actually, because I don't have a real, real problem with gluten, I don't eat it every day, probably weeks go by, and I don't, but I can definitely tolerate kamut, which is an ancient grain, and also spelt. A spelt pizza base is the place that I go to. There was one time when I tried out a rock star recipe that I thought looked amazing for cauliflower pizza base. Anyone that wants to turn their nose up at it, You wouldn't have turned your nose up at what I actually made, but it took forever to make it. Food processor, steam it, squeeze all the liquid out, pat it out, put it in the oven, take it out. You know, it was too many steps. I just don't have that kind of time in my life at the moment. If you want to try that, go ahead. You can now buy them frozen in stores. Again, read the ingredient label in case they've decided to put in some gluten in there, just in case they need it to stick together better quinoa, amaranth, brown rice. I live for oats and almond flours. If I'm going to make some cookies, some pancakes, or maybe some muffins, I need that kind of carb food. And one of my favorite recipes on SproutRite.com, you can search for this, is the blender pancakes. You throw all the ingredients into, into the blender, which includes some milk, an egg, some honey, and then you blend. And then right from the blender, you pour it onto your griddle or into your frying pan. Poof, that's breakfast. They're absolutely delish. Now, on the flip side of gluten-free advocacy, some who might tell you that embarking on this is completely useless, you don't suffer from celiac disease, what are you thinking, don't go and ask the server at uh, at the restaurant that you're going to, everybody's embarrassed. 
if you're going to remove the gluten-free from your diet, it's really as useful. I read this in one of the one of the posts I was reading as a wooden frying pan to go gluten-free. After all, we've been grazing on this stuff since the beginning of time. Well, aside from the studies that I've looked at, there's still a few out there that attempt to disprove the value of removing gluten from your diet. I've seen the, these results firsthand from my clients, from my family, and also how it affected myself. I would get dressed in the morning, my clothes would fit, and by the end of the day, before I went gluten-free, everything was tight. I just would sort of blow up throughout the day. In the afternoon, I'd want to crawl under my desk. I was super tired. As soon as I changed things and took it out, those were the two things that I noticed the most was that everything still fit at the end of the day and I had more energy in the afternoon. I did not have that crash. All right, so gluten or gluten-free if that's a direction you're going to hope to go. I hope I've given you the 411 on all of this. You've learned something. I'd love to know what you feel that you learn or if there's anything else that you want me to talk about or do a bit of a deep dive into. Reach out to me. Let me know on leannephillipson.com. You can also find me on Instagram at leannephillipson and on Twitter at SproutWrite. Thanks so much for tuning in. I'm Leanne Phillipson. And remember, let's eat this one mouthful at a time.